0: Have you ever noticed that courage usually comes with numbers? You thrust someone into a situation that they deem scary and they might not go alone. But if they take someone else, they may dare to go. Uh, A small child in a dark room. Uh, There are times in our household where Micah doesn't want to go into the back of the house that dark. because she's scared. But if Asher goes with her, she's fine. (laughs) Because Asher's the big, bad two-year-old who can take care of (laughs) anything. You know, if you're a teen, you may have that special person that you want to talk to, and you don't want to go talk to them by yourself. But if your best friend goes with you, you might have the courage to say something. Maybe for an adult trip you've ever taken. There have been a few times in my life, you know, there was... uh, I never rode a roller coaster until I was 16, ever. Uh, I did it when I was 16 to impress uh, a girl, so <laughs> <coughs> trips that they to those things happen. My mom was viewing. I remember standing at the door, not able to go in. I didn't have the courage to go in by myself. You know, we're still in our series, That Thing You Do, Walk a Journey and Do a Life with Jesus. And last week or two weeks ago, actually, we talked about an urgent faith that we're supposed to have the urgency of sharing Jesus, the urgency of knowing who we are, the urgency of being His. And this week, we turn to the workings of that urgent faith. John tells his people how they are supposed to live out this faith he has been talking about. And it picks up there right where we left off again in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. And it says, So now little children, Remain in him, so that when he appears, we may have boldness and not be ashamed before him that is coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Look at how great a love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children, and we are. The reason the world does not know us is that they didn't it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has the hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin also breaks the law. Sin is the breaking of law. You know that he was revealed so that he may take away sins and there is no sin in him. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. Everyone who is born of God does not sin, because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin, because he has been born of God. This is how God's children and the devil's children are made Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time. Father, use me for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel. May the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask all of these things <coughs> in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, Amen. Excuse me. Remain. That's His word. Remain. We must abide in Jesus to be bold and unashamed. He's speaking here of this truth of the physical return of Christ. That there were those who when John wrote his letter, didn't believe it was going to happen. Sure, Jesus is going to come back. You know, He came back once. Him coming back that second time, I don't know that I agree with that. And so they didn't really believe it. But John here was saying, look, it's going to happen. We know that He is gone. We know that He is coming back. And these are the things that are going to happen. And so, he says we have to remain. We have to abide. We have to do these things so that we can be bold and unashamed. Now, there are two levels here, this idea of salvation and non-salvation. There's boldness and shame for the the work that we're doing. What are are we doing? John's basically asking (laughs) them, what do you want to be doing when Christ comes back? What do you want to be doing when, when, when He makes His return. If Jesus walked in the door now, which reaction would you have? Would you have boldness or would you have shame? That's the question. How would you react when Jesus walked in the room? This isn't said that Jesus or God's going to make us feel shame. This speaks to our inclination. Have you ever been disappointed that you couldn't do something you said you'd do or that you were supposed to do? It had to have been 1993, maybe 94. We had owned the store in Perrin for about a year. I was uh, (coughs) 17, I think. And my family was going to go on vacation. But they couldn't go on vacation if somebody wasn't able to watch the store. Guess who got volunteered to watch the store? (coughs) Um, And we're going to be gone five days. Day one... I had to open the store. I had to close the store. It was all me. I was the cashier. I was the cook. I was everything. And I continued to do it. Every day something else went wrong. And I remember thinking this was not, this was not what I had in mind. This was not what I promised I would do. I, I did not feel like I was being successful. And what I was doing, I I, I kept thinking, if Dad walked back in right now, I don't know that I would be proud of the job that I'm doing. If Jesus walked in the door right now, how would you feel about the life that you've been living? That's the question that John wants us to ask ourselves. We abide so that when He comes, we're caught doing what He would have us to do. If you're always doing the things that Jesus wants you to do, you don't have time to do the things that He doesn't want you to do. I don't know how many times I've had that argument with friends of mine who would pick up the Bible and say, it's just a great big book of (laughs) don'ts. Okay. But there are so many do's in there that if I focus on the do's, I'm never going to have to worry about the don'ts because the dues will take up all my time and the do's take care of the don'ts. And when we, when we do the things that God calls us to do, when Jesus comes back, we'll automatically be doing what He would have us to do. He says, "Whatever whoever does what is right is of Him. Everyone who does what is right has been born of Him. He says, look at how, how great of a love we have that we have been called God's children. That we can do these things. You know, you cannot correctly know right without a saving relationship with Jesus. You can't know right. One of the moral dilemmas for believers in this world is the basis for morality for different groups is different. The basis for morality for believers has to be the Word of God. That's the basis for morality. As humans, we have a tendency to let our emotions and logic begin to overrule God's Word. Because somebody will come and say, but it doesn't make any sense and they'll lay out this wonderful argument that is completely anti-Scripture, but tugs at your heartstrings. And you start going, huh, Well, well, maybe. But the problem is, if that person is not working from a relationship with Jesus, their view of right isn't the same as our view of right. And that's hard for our culture to understand. That's hard for this world to understand. Because they look at us and they go, well, what makes your truth better than my truth? Because my truth isn't my truth. My truth is God's truth. The problem is we began labeling things as ours. How often do the commands and principles of Scripture go against what the world deems is right? The world says, in the, in the words of Cheryl Crow, if it makes me happy, it can't be that bad. It absolutely can. It absolutely can. It can make you deliriously happy. still be that bad. I remember for the years we were out there in Rankin and I was subbing in the school district. Every year, they sent us out a day where they would come in and show a video and talk about one certain girl who had grown up in Rankin, been raised in Rankin, fell in love with the world's greatest guy moved away and he ended up killing her. Made her happy, but it was bad. The problem is the world's view of right isn't often the Bible's view of right. Speaking about those who live life that is acceptable to God here, Marshall, Howard Marshall said, correct moral behavior is acceptable to God. No, you can only know what is absolutely right by knowing He who is absolutely righteous. It's the only (laughs) way. If you don't know Him, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have that relationship, you can't know right. You, You might know shades of morality, but you don't know what right really is. And our relationship with Jesus impacts our our past, our present, and our future. It impacts our past because our sins are forgiven. They're forgiven. We can't change the past. We can't go back and fix things as much as I like to watch shows and movies that will have people going back in the past to do things, back to the future is not a reality. It's not going to happen. We've been told all that in in chapters prior, right, that our sins are forgiven. It affects our past. It affects our present because we are God's children. I think our culture, (coughs) our familiarity with the idea of being God's child, has lost the radical nature of this truth for what John was saying. That we are children of God. We're too comfortable sometimes, I think, as being the children of God. There there is this radical nature, this, this, this differentness that John meant by this, because to be a child of God meant that you had certain rights, you had certain privileges, you had certain responsibilities. There were things that went along with that. And you were called to be those things. And you were called to receive those things. And you were called to get those things. And so we're so used to the child of God as a title. But we don't seem to understand what that means as an aspect of who we are. We're called to be children of God. So that means we have certain rights. Absolutely. We're going to be with God forever. Forever. We're going to enter into His gates. We're going to, we, have, we have responsibilities to share His love, to be His hands and feet. All of these things that happen, all of these things that are going on, what needs to happen? And it says <coughs> to not sin. continue in your sin. Not to never sin again, but continue in a, in a, in a natural state of sin. And it affects our future because it says we'll be like him. There's this expectation of a greater unknown blessing. Being a Christian isn't for people who don't like surprises. Believe mm. mean. We don't know. I know we win. I know heaven is more imaginable than my mind can imagine. I know there's a resurrection body. Well, that's all I know. Everything else is like surprise. Okay. I mean, Sometimes as a believer, you gotta be okay with I don't know as an answer. Yeah. And that makes people uncomfortable sometimes. Because we want everything lined out in black and white, but sometimes the answer is I I don't know. <laughs> how, how long? How long? I mean, even even in the book of Revelation, you got the martyrs under the throne, and what are they saying? How long, Jesus? <coughs> I don't know. You know, our, our future. We're going to be like Him. What does that mean? I I don't know. We know that when He appears, we'll be like Him because we'll see Him as He is. What does that mean? We don't know. We know that it'll be perfect. We know that it'll be God-ordained. We know that it'll be forever. But beyond that, it's an I don't know. It's, It's a surprise. Which to me... Is amazing. To others, it may be like, I don't like that, but oh well. It is what it is. As he goes on, he says there are only two choices to whom you can belong, right? You either belong to God or you belong to the devil. Basically. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil. But uh, but I commit sin a lot. Am I the devil? No. Are you continuing in a lifestyle of sin? You may need to examine yourself and ask yourself where you are. Ask yourself, is this where you need to be? <laughs> because according to this, there are two choices. You are either gods, or you aren't. That's it. There's no other way around this. And so John says here, this goes back to what he said at the beginning, right? We have these things so we can be bold and unashamed. We are either going to be bold because we are living like we belong to Jesus or we're going to have shame because we're living like we belong to the devil. And so we have to make a choice of whose we are going to be. The eighth mark of an authentic Christian life is a life that abides in a relationship with Jesus. That's it. That's the of Jesus. It's just spending that time staying connected. Now, as we go further in the series, we're going to be revisiting previous Marks because John begins to say the same thing over and over again. Because these things are so important to him. He thinks we need to hear them. We need to know these things. Because in John's eyes, there are only two choices. You either are God's or you are the devil's. That's it. There's no way around it. And if you are not living your life in a way that shows God glory, then you are not living the life you are called to live. That's a scary spot to be in. But he doesn't mince words. He doesn't leave us in a spot where we go, Well, I wonder what John meant by that. <clears throat> it's pretty clear. <clears throat> it's pretty clear. To know right, you have to know he who is righteous. You have to do what is righteous. You have to follow his ways. And if you don't follow his ways, if you continue on in a life of sinfulness, then you might not belong to the person you're claiming to belong to. Wow. That's crazy. That's what he says. You know, maybe this morning you're going, "Um, what? I understand. Maybe this morning you've been struggling with how to abide. How to stay where you need to stay and be where you need to be. Because sometimes that's hard. As easy as it is to abide, sometimes it's hard to do. To find the time to, to be who we need to be. Maybe this morning you want to pray, the altar's open, I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to have something else that you need to do. Maybe you want to have certain missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've been in church your entire life. You've never taken a step to know Jesus and you wouldn't know him. Now's the time you swap down to the trial and know Jesus. We'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now we thank you and praise you for your blessings.